Welcome back once again to the Fantasy Football Surgery podcast coming to you on the 15th of November 2016, presumably from some kind of tablet, laptop or an iPhone. Other phone makers are available. Well done. You've made it to the end of the international break. Um, For those of you who tuned in last week, you'll know we split the pod in two. I'll say a bit more about that in a moment. First of all, though, welcoming back the man bringing it all together, the stat man. It's the Iceman. Yeah. Hi, Pete. Welcome back. And for those of you who listened last week, thank you for that, by the way. We had a a special guest coming in, and we had so much good stuff coming through in terms of stats, predictions around the coming game week. We thought we'd use the luxury of a two-week international break to uh, bring him back once again and talk about the second half of the FPL fixtures. Welcoming back, Mr. Paul Morgan from Fantasy Football First. Hello, chaps. Thank you for having me back again. Fantastic. Great to have you back again, Paul. I think we had some really um, really positive feedback around just the depth of thinking in some of your decision-making last week. So we're looking forward to uh, to hearing that again today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's really nice to feed that, get that positive feedback. And on a really good note, I've discovered that I'm, while I'm sat at my computer chatting to you guys, if I've got Pokemon on, it doesn't know what room I'm in, so it keeps running around. I'm picking up loads of miles from trying to you. It's fabulous. <laughs> oh, the geek level's reached uh, all-time low. I'm playing on, my, on behalf of my daughter. I must stress that. Oh, yeah, of course, of course you are. Yeah, no, we believe What it. a good father. Fantastic. <laughs> that is, of course, why uh, Woodsy, Parker, and the Beard have left the podcast. They are, they are chasing Pokemon, so let's hope they can get them on as soon as possible. Yeah, I hear Chat. there's, there's Peach, Pikachu down Bristol. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woodsy will no doubt be there right now um chaps we uh we thought we'd split the podcast into two so for those of you who are interested in the first five fixtures of the upcoming game week i recommend you go back and listen to this two-part episode featuring paul the games we covered last week was manchester united versus arsenal palace versus city manchester city that is everton swansea southampton versus liverpool and stoke versus Bournemouth so we plan to go through the other five fixtures this evening and um, just before we move on to those we've had the international break we've had a lot of games uh, tonight I've just seen frustratingly England have uh, drawn against Spain in the 96th minutes would you believe just open questions to the two of you chaps having seen the outcome of those games or heard about injury news for the players is there anybody we talked about last week that you're sort of changing your mindset on at the moment well, I did have my heart set on keeping Sanchez and not going to the, the hazard route. But I, I looked at it on, when was it? I think it was Saturday night. I was lying in bed. Uh, I read a few articles that, yeah, he, he torn a muscle. And I just thought, oh, well, it just kind of, in a way, took Paul's advice of, uh, yeah, he's been injured. He's been playing for two years now, nonstop. So probably best to take him out. So uh, I was lying there in bed. Uh, Woodsy was next to me. And I, uh, I just thought, sod it, I'll, uh, I'll take him out, put Hazard in. Since I've done that on Saturday night, I've totally regretted it. And I just think, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if Hazard, I think Hazard's okay. Um, he got a knock and he did ask to come off, but I, I think he's going to be all right. The, the only thing is, I don't actually want him for the next couple of games. So Sanchez has actually gone down point one. So I may just bring Sanchez back in next week i know it's a waste of two transfers but my team's sitting pretty comfortably at the moment uh i've only got am out which i actually want to get rid of uh, other than that i don't really want to remove anyone else so i may just remove hazard next week and get sanchez and then kind of make that point one which i would have lost 
Interesting. So I think we'll talk a bit more about Eden Hazard when we get to the Chelsea game, but it sounds like you've been uh, in two minds over this international break. Yeah, it was knee-jerk reaction. I don't normally do it, but yeah, when when you've got time to think about it too much, then sometimes you do. Too much time to think, Iceman. That's the uh, one of the biggest, uh, I think, downfalls of many FPL managers. Um, Paul, what about yourself? Any Any changes in mindset in the last seven days? Well, just to twist the knife on Sanchez I'm just noting that um, United have got an awful uh, lot of injuries for example Smalling Bali so uh, I think given it's United Arsenal we've got to think about you know the Arsenal attack really because United will be struggling the other one that caught my eye was the fact that at Stoke uh, Butland's back in training which is really encouraging I think he'd probably uh, need a, a few kind of uh, Uting games to get warmed up, but I would expect to see him back in the next few, you know, maybe three game weeks, which yeah. is excellent, and that um, that really makes me quite bullish on Stoke. So, yeah, really, is an excellent FPL keeper is uh, is Butland. So, yeah, I think um, we, we've seen kind of a lot of the Premier League players featuring over this game week. We we also questioned uh, Romelu Lukaku or Blancacu, as uh, the Iceman called him last week, on the score sheet for, for Belgium in the last couple of days. Although what I would say is I probably would have scored in that game as well, as they, they did win 8-0. So, um, but Lukaku has had a run out, if that features in your thinking. It was 8-1. It was 8-1. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, his underlying stats are not that great, though, are they? If, um, there's a great blog out there called uh, Mathematically Safe, if you Google it. There's a writer there, Peter Blake. He, he is excellent. And um, in his Game Week 12 article, he he talks about um, Lukaku and how his underlying stats have taken a bit of a nosedive. And um, if you own him, you should think twice, particularly with the upcoming fixtures. Oh, yeah, he's got some hard fixtures coming up. I think keeping for this Swansea game, then I am actually considering removing. Uh, depends how he performs, really, and what other options I'll have available. If Costa's still out, he was going to be my go-to, but... Yeah, after this game week, Everton's fixtures, they are dire. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, a um, little bit of changing in thinking there, particularly around Alexis Sanchez. I think, to be fair to Paul, you didn't necessarily say take him out, did you, Paul? I think you said if he is injured, get rid of him straight away, but wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I, um, so I listened. I, I heard that and I was like, right, OK, uh, he sounds well, like he's injured. I'm going to take him out. I heard something. I don't think you heard exactly that, though. <laughs> no, I'm not placing him back. It was fully my decision and I just think oh, I just shouldn't have done it at the time. It takes a large man like yourself to, uh, to admit when he's wrong, so I think that's uh, that's a good shout from you. Um, I'm going to stop with the pleasantries. Let's get straight into the meat and potatoes of the upcoming game week. We're moving on to the Stadium of Light, Sunderland versus Hull. Again, two teams I couldn't be less interested in uh, at the moment. I'd be really interested to hear what you two are thinking about this. Paul, I'm going to come to you first on this one as I open with the Iceman. How's this one looking for you? Um, well, I've got my stats up. I've got the bot, um, rate my team stats out. So it's predicting... A home win in, uh, or rather, in the simulations, it, it gets forty-six percent of simulations result in a Sunderland win. Surprisingly, twenty-four percent result in a Hull win. Hmm. In terms of clean sheets, thirty-two percent of the Sunderland games result in a clean sheet for Sunderland, and only eighteen percent of the games result in a clean sheet for uh, Hull. So, I think the bot favours Sunderland quite highly. 
Um, I was looking at the individual player stats as well. I think Defoe is rated as the supposed to be the fifth highest scorer um, this week in you know over the average of all the simulations, which is which is pretty high. I'm so that, that's pre- that's Defoe's predicted performance. Just to be clear pre- about predicted, that, yeah, 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 predicted. So so just to explain, the bot simulates the games many many thousands of times, simulates every single kick. What we do is we calculate the FPL score at the end of the simulation. And we run it thousands of times, so we create an average score, which is indicative of the points potential of that player for that game week or over a number of game weeks. And throughout all the simulations, Defoe came out as the fifth highest average score. I mean, Defoe certainly would have been my shout statistically, but also based on form as well. I think he's looked razor sharp this season. I would fancy him to actually get back in the England team if it wasn't for more fancied strikers. Um, but actually, I look at his uh, his next three games as well. It'd be interesting to see what you both think of this. Hull at home, obviously, that as as games go, should be a shoe in for any informed striker. Liverpool away, who I'm not saying a Sunderland win, but certainly potential to concede with their form. And then, uh, and then Leicester at home, who again haven't been watertight at the back. What, how would you see Defoe as maybe a little bit more of a medium-term investment at the moment? Well, he's he's the one to go to at Sunderland, isn't he? He's he's actually scored and assisted in seventy-seven percent of their goals this season. So if Sunderland are going to score, it's probably going to go through him. But they do have another option now. It looks like Victor Anichebe seems to be a go-to. He scored and assisted in the last game. He he is an option that you could put on the bench at only four point five, but yeah, Jermaine is probably the go-to one here. And and I, all your I thoughts on Defoe, Defoe. Um, in my team, and my plan for Defoe was to keep him for this game week, and then swap him over to uh, Charlie Austin this week. Right, so you're you're thinking Defoe in the short term, but you fancy Austin a similar price, but in the sort of the medium longer term. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. The the other player that stood out for me in this fixture is Snodgrass, really, just because um, if anyone's going to score for Hull, it's most likely going to be him, and he picks up lots and lots of bonus points. Yeah, he's been in fine form this season, Snodgrass. Actually, you know, when they started and they were getting a few results, he was often the man on the score sheet or involved in the play. Um, they've really missed him, haven't they, these last few? Yeah, they have. Yeah, I remember um, at the start of the season when people were trying to the, rate the, my team bot for the very first time. And it suggested putting Snodgrass in their teams because Hall's opening fixtures are reasonably kind. The comments on the blog when people were asking for help with the team were uh, were very derisory of the selection of Snodgrass. But it but it's borne out, you know, fifty two points over uh, eleven game weeks is awesome. Yeah, he's just going to say for a very price. He's, he's not 5. a bad option. 5. Yeah, five point five. He has got four goals, one assist. And he's got those nine bonus points, so he seems to be getting the bonus points as well. So it is pretty good, but I don't think there's any any other options for Hull, really. But I suppose you could put Dawson in there, but they've got Hernandez and Keane out now, so they've got yeah. some injuries there. So if you're looking for attacking options, it would be only Snodgrass. They do have Sunderland, West Brom, Middlesbrough and Palace coming up. So you know, maybe a, a punt on Snodgrass, who's on pens and free kicks. And I'm just looking at who else uh, Hull have actually got to go up front at the moment. Diamandi's injured, He's like you say, Hernandez. For the next game. Suspended. Yeah. Okay, Keane, Hernandez, both out. So that leaves Mbukani, who was at Norwich last season. Um, do you see a situation where Snodgrass ends up up front for Hull, just like uh, you know the situation they had at uh, Liverpool for a while when they didn't have a striker when Arsenal had to put Sanchez up front? That worked out. Could you see that happening? 
could do. I I don't know. I'm sure they've uh, who else they got in up front to actually play there. I I've, uh, I've not I don't recognise any of the other. Like I said, Umbakani from Norwich. Oh, um, he's not exactly. Yeah, he was decent for Norwich uh, last season. He was a good was, go-to he was, option. He was okay. He got a couple of points in the last game, so they may well be turning to him. But uh, interesting. Okay, any more any more to add from Sunderland or Hull, or are we we generally saying Defoe would be the only one you'd be looking at for this game week. <clears throat> Well, both teams are pretty dire, aren't they? They're they're, they're not good at all. I, I've I've got one. There's a player called uh, Sam Corkus. Um He's only four point seven million. So if someone is looking for a bench filler for the uh, second or third bench slot in midfield and trying to find someone quite cheap, he's played ninety minutes in all but two games. And uh, last week he picked up an assist. I think if you're trying to free up cash in order to enable a midfield of, say, Coutinho, Fanemio, Hazard and Sanchez, then he's a, a reasonable choice at uh, 4.7. I'll tell you another option, just to rival that one, uh, is actually Watmore. Uh, Watmore, he's played for the under-21s in the England team. He scored in the last game against France, I think it was. Um, Moussa Dembele actually he would be a quality player for the Premier League 4.9 attack of midfielder Um, am I selling them to you yet? (laughs) Both Watmore and Corcus are predicted to get 8.3 points over the next three games Yeah. so so I I do think Watmore is a great choice I only sort of went for Corcus because it was just a bit cheaper that's all yeah Yeah, save a little bit of money um Chaps, a few interesting shouts there, really, considering the uh, the nature of the teams involved in that one. So a few for listeners to think about. Moving on to Watford versus Leicester City. Leicester, again, a little bit disappointing this season, although probably hitting the form that most would have expected in the first place from them. However, potentially being pulled into relegation scrap. So lots to be done there from uh, Claudio Ranieri. Watford as well, again, not quite the same form of Igalo and Dini as last season. However, they are sat pretty in eighth place at the moment. So, again, perhaps overachieving, some might say. Iceman, I'm going to come to you first for this one. Who have you got in mind? Leicester are not playing brilliant at the moment, though, but um, they've still got the likes of Mares. He's a skillful player. He definitely should have come to Arsenal. Uh, Okazaki back in the team, uh, but Vardy was benched again in the last game. He did score tonight, so maybe maybe he's going to put him in the team this week against Watford. Who knows? Um, they've got some decent fixtures coming up with the uh, likes of Watford, Middlesbrough, Sunderland in the next three. So a lot of managers are actually looking towards the defence of Leicester. Fuchs may, may be an option if you're looking for attacking stances, but saying that, they're, they're actually quite high up on the, the amount of big chances conceded this season out of all the teams. Can I, I just want to bring Paul into this one, a point that he made last week. I think uh, for what it's worth, Iceman, I don't believe you've got anything else to do in the week other than uh, than play fancy football. Yeah. But, uh, but Christian Fuchs, fairly, uh, for his form of last season, absolutely at that price. This season, perhaps not as consistent. Is he 5.5, I believe? Around 5.5 million? Paul, last week you made a comment that um, Premier League defenders who keep a clean sheet every one to two weeks, probably over the course of the season, are better to go to than a good team that concedes one a game. Where do you sit on Leicester with that theory? I think the issue with Leicester is the fact that the manager has stated that he's prioritising the Champions League over the league. I think his ambition for the league is somewhere between 10th and 8th. And um, preferably, you know, eighth or seventh in order to get European football for next year. 
but he recognises that he's probably not going to be in the Champions League next year, so let's give the Champions League a really, really good run. And you can see that in some of his rotations, particularly you know, with um, Vardy and Samani being rotated. So therefore, I do think that selecting any Leicester player carries the risk that that player might not actually play and, and is a bit of a worry. So I would take the worry of risk over the concern about whether they're going to concede every game versus concede to every other game. I, th- I think you can say that about the attacking players, but I don't know if you can say that about the defence. You're looking at Wes Morgan and Fuchs. They've played 90 minutes of every game so far, along with Hooth. And I think Simpson, he's missed one game so far. So that, that that's probably that's probably true what you say, but just for the attacking players uh, more than the defence. Yeah, you can see that on the predicted scores. So the predicted scores over the next three games uh, for Morgan is 10.7, Fuchs is 10.6 and Huth is 10.1 which is comparable to Mares at 10.5, even though he's 9.1 million. Yeah. What was quite interesting is Drinkwater comes out 8.4, even though he's only 5.3 million. Also for Vardy's 9.6, you know, which is lower than Mares, which is a reflection of the fact that the bot can recognise that Vardy's not being played every game and therefore the, he gets rotated over a number of games and therefore his average aggregate score becomes lower because yeah. there's a risk he might not play. So I do, I do think there's a, a, a concern here that they're putting all their effort towards Europe and I'd kind of be tempted to pick these guys. You know the break between kind of when the, the pre-Christmas Champions League section finishes and before the knockout stage starts later, so early next year, that kind of Christmas period and five weeks out of the side of the Christmas period. I think Leicester would be really, really interesting, you know, over that period. In particular, there's a stretch where from about game week 16, they've got Bournemouth away, Stoke away, West Ham at home, Middlesbrough away. Now, fair enough, you know, there's three aways there, but, you know, there's still reasonable fixtures for Leicester where you'd, you'd imagine they'd be able to keep it tight. Absolutely. So, I mean, it does, does sound like, you know, thinking in that direction for Leicester, um, over the next few game weeks could be the way to go. I mean, what what of Watford then? I think the only option there is Holabas, and he's suspended for this game. Um, you know, everyone's still got Capoue, so they're still trying to probably get rid of him, which I am. They did <laughs> need... Haven't, they haven't shelved him yet. <laughs> no, they did. They needed uh, Yamat to play centre-back because uh, Prodo was injured, but they were they were shit against Liverpool. They really were. <laughs> <laughs> they really were. I, like, I mean, Liverpool looked good, but... No, Watford were just terrible. Well, for the, uh, the the final few that are clinging on to Kapu and, and hoping for a resemblance and a resurgence of form from earlier in the season, is the bot suggesting any points for him in the coming game weeks? Um, it is. Uh, 9.5 over the next three games uh, compared to, say, Dini on uh, 13.1 and Igalo on 10.5. I, I saw Kapu a few weeks back to bring in Alan. In reflection, I probably should have brought in uh, Gundogan. Um, Gund- <laughs> sorry, sorry, say that again. Yeah, G- Gundogan, <laughs> however it is pronounced. Uh, Gunny, Gunny, our friend Gunny. Yeah, so, Gunny. Um, yeah, Gunny, yeah, that's his yeah, name. No, yeah. no doubt all the um, pronunciation pedants will be tweeting next week. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Kapu is, is Kapu, Kapu is all right. He'll, um, you know, over the season, he'll get the points commensurate with his price. Yeah, bench warmer. Yeah. Okay, so a few ideas, uh, a bit of debate around Leicester there. Again, still not clear cut uh, on that front and Watford seemingly to be a team to avoid at the moment. Um, I'm a bit more excited about this next fixture, chaps. Tottenham Hotspur versus West Ham United. As an Arsenal fan, 
Um, I never thought I'd hear myself say that, but actually I think there's some real potential for for some scores here. You might think differently. Paul, um, as we're rotating here, can I come to you first on this one? Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, I think uh, West Ham are overrated. I I think, yeah, nothing like throwing in a bit of controversy, eh? Um, (laughs) Yeah, the the stats are... Uh, nothing particularly special, really. I think Pye is amazing. I think um, uh, had he not fallen out with the French FA about four seasons ago, he probably would be more recognised. Yeah. He there's a point. His old club before he got sold to West Ham. There's a point where uh, he was refusing to play for them because he tried to engineer a, a transfer to Paris Saint Germain. And yeah. Paris wanted him, but because it was kind of a player-driven transfer, the club refused to sell him to Paris, and that's how he ended up at West Ham. Now, he seems happy there now, but I do think he's kind of a, a hot and cold player. If we look at the the simulations, the results, Spurs win 60.4% of the time. That's yeah, huge. That. And West Ham win 8.4% of the time. Spurs keep a clean sheet 40% of the time. Whereas West Ham keep a clean sheet only 6.6% of the time. So the bot's really, really in favour of uh, Spurs. And, and I do agree with them, really, because I, um, I think last season West Ham were really, really lucky. They, they got a lot of early goals in those first seven, eight games, which allowed them to then sit on a lead. And uh, they climbed up the table quite quickly. In the middle and latter sections of the season, particularly the latter sections of the season, they were only just all right. You know, had they been all right all season, they probably would have been about three or four positions lower than what they were. So, I mean, just to, just to add to that discussion around Pye, I think it's a good point you make about West Ham and, and when, when they got their goals. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of Pye historically, I remember when he came on the scene at Lille. And at the time, you were thinking, this guy just looks dynamite he then just went quiet for a few years whether that was um disciplinary or he just seemed to kind of fade a little bit into the french league and then he came back into the reckoning um, with that fantastic season that he had before he came to west ham he's one of the top providers i think in europe and i think you're right if he'd had that international regularity in terms of him being picked and if he'd have got that bigger move sooner you, you could potentially see him at a PSG now or Real Madrid or Juventus because he's absolutely got the ability he's now a, a first name on the team sheet for France or certainly one of I personally think he'll he's got the potential to go in January if West Ham carry on like this he's in he's 29 he's coming towards or he's in the peak of his career now and I think he will be one that that perhaps teams will look to snap up where he doesn't have the the Champions League kind of that doesn't rule him out for the Champions League so I think he could be vulnerable to go in uh, in January, just that the question I was going to lead on to with this was how about Mikel Antonio? Any any thoughts on on him from the bot? Uh, he's predicted eight point five points over the next three games compared to uh, Ayu on nine. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I was quite surprised by that. The other player that stands out, Adrian, at five point three, and and that's about it really. It's it's not predicting big scores for West Ham this season. Yeah, uh, Antonio's currently scored. 53 points over the season at 6.9 million, but it's still only predicting 8.5 points over the next three games, which is pretty low for his price. Yeah. I think that's reflected in the fixtures, though. Spurs away this week, then Man United away next week, then Arsenal at home the week after, then Liverpool away the week after that. And and that's just um, that's just four dangerous games, isn't it? And you quite Sorry, easily yeah. see West Ham knocking on Sunderland's door, you know, come game week 16. Well, um, Iceman, I mean, where, where do you weigh in on this? Because obviously you're, 
you know, biased towards the hatred of Tottenham. However, you know, I think you've been a fan of picking West Ham and Tottenham players in the past with your neutral FPL. So what are your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. West Ham, they seem to be out shooting the opposition at the moment there. They, they're getting quite quite a few goal, uh, shots on goal. Uh, they're just not quite clicking at the moment. But maybe uh, someone like Ayu being back, he was great for Swansea last season. Uh, he's at 7.1, a midfielder, and could be playing out of position, so he could be a bargain for West Ham. And West Ham, they, they are in the top 10 of attempts on goal this season. So uh, I know they've got tough fixtures coming up. So it's, for me, it's actually saying saying stay well clear. But yeah, if you're look, looking for another option in your league where you you don't want to follow suit, maybe Ayu could be a, a good punt for you. He would be my differential for this week coming up. I think that's a nice shout. And I, the thing about Ayu for me, he represents the same issue as Sigurdsson at seven million. He's in that mid range for midfielders. For me, that's one to two million more than a cheaper midfielder who might score as well and prevent me from getting a Coutinho or getting Hazard, and it might be the difference for that. However, as you say, a great differential if he starts firing, and also the fact that West Ham strikers are, for want of a better word, crap. Um, <laughs> he's got a good chance of starting up front. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep my eye on him. Iceman, a word on Tottenham? Any anyone there that's a standout for you? Yeah, I mean, Spurs, they're, they're a good team. Uh, I'm going to say good, not great. But I just don't think they're creating enough. Yeah, Ericsson, he, he's got the most shots this season without actually scoring. <laughs> he had a great opportunity uh, against Arsenal, uh, which Czech saved, and he also had a free kick which hits the post. Uh, but he does rarely get into the box. Although um, he did step up for Denmark and score against uh, Kazakhstan. Uh, 8.1, yeah, he's one of these players which a lot of people will go to only when he's in form. Um, Spurs have average fixtures at the moment, so yeah, he, he's a bit of a punt. But uh, Kane and Dembele are back. And Dembele, remember I had him last season, Bull? I do, yes. Yeah, I mean, he is a great player. There's no question about it. The way he bursts forward from the back, his skill, control drive with the ball whilst dribbling is like second to none yeah as I said I remember having him last season but he just gets no points he's not a great FPL asset himself but he I think he does drive that team forward and he can probably spark a few more opportunities their way uh Kane yeah he's probably he's one of these players which you can either wait for him to hit form or you can get him in early uh, he, he got 211 points last season so uh, that's 25 goals, and he's done that two years running where he's been top goal scorer. So you can you can see that happening again, really. Uh, it's just whether you can get him in at the time he's going to explode. And if you want to gamble, uh, I know the beard messaged me the other day. Uh, he might not like me saying this on the pod, but he did message me just saying I'm thinking about an Aguero to a Kane transfer and I just said maybe maybe wait a couple of weeks whether you're going to do that or not because uh, at the moment uh, yeah he has to get running again probably in my eyes but who knows yeah. he, 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 he could be an option maybe Beard can guinea pick that for us Beard make the uh, make the move Aguero to Kane see where it gets you yeah Okay, chaps, well, plenty said on uh, Spurs versus West Ham there. Can I chip in with one? Yes, of course. Yeah, sorry, Paul. Uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. Uh, Rose. Um, there are a few injuries in Spurs' back line. Rose fits the bill. He, he should get game time. He's been playing recently. He's predicted to get 12.9 points over the next three games. Now, the next three games for Spurs, it's kind of two good, one bad. 
But if we look over um, a six-week period, they've got West Ham at home, then Chelsea away, Swansea at home, Man United away, Hull City at home, and Burnley at home. So if you can find someone to cover game week 13 when it's Chelsea away and game week 15 when it's Man United away, those four home games of West Ham, Swansea, Hull City and Burnley are awesome. You know, there should be two clean sheets in there. And also Rose gets does get forward, so there might be a chance of assisting in all of that lot as well. Um, play teams that they rotate with for those game weeks: um, Arsenal, Hull if you're brave, Liverpool, Southampton really stood out for me. Um, there's some bargains at Southampton at the moment because they've got a lot of defensive injuries. So I think if if you were to go Rose this week, and then you could bring in a cheap Southampton player shoot on defender next week and rotate the two over the next two next four weeks and then come out the other end of game week 16 to play Rose for Hull City and Burnley at home that could be uh that could reap some FPL dividends yeah I, I think that's probably a good shout to be honest Paul Rose and Walker are always going to be good options for Spurs they get forward well and I think they got an assist for England the other day against Scotland Thought I'd mention that just in case we've got any Scottish listeners. Um, they're always going to be attacking force, and Spurs have got the best defence in the league as well. So, yeah, great shout on that. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Rose and Walker were bombing forward for England the other day, getting the assists. I think Rose was the uh, the assist for Lallana. So, absolutely great potential for points there. Um, and that takes us to the, the, the blue part of London. So, Middlesbrough versus Chelsea. Now, on face value, I'm sure most of us will be thinking absolute points fest here. However, we have had the curveball of news of potentially a hazard injury potentially a Costa injury. I'm sure you two are going to tell me differently, but has that influenced your, your thinking in this? Iceman, I'll, I'll come to you first. Um, I think Hazard's going to be okay. I'm not going to be too worried about that until I see him in, in a red. Uh, at the moment, he is yellow on FPL, which is quite annoying because now that I've brought him in, I kind of want him to go up point one. But I think the yellow seems to stop people bringing him in, which is uh, quite frustrating. Costa, I, I do think he might be injured for this game. I've, I've just seen a, a couple of things online and over Twitter that, yeah, he might be out for the next game. Interesting. Uh, and Paul, any thoughts? Well, the, for Hazard to have a price change, uh, another 25,000 people will have to buy him. So I, th- I think if they buy on Thursday night, you might have a chance of getting a Friday price rise. Um, I've already made my move this week. I, I brought in Hazard. I uh, made the dreaded very early transfer because my, my view on early transfers is that the player will get injured maybe once a season. So you'd be really unlucky to buy a player who then gets injured. And uh, and you, so you might as well do the early transfers um, if you're confident that's the player that you want for this week. And sure enough, I did the early transfer and, and now he's marked as injured. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, the other thing I would say to you, Paul, I, I actually quite agree with that mindset. I did a lot more in the past, didn't quite have the balance. But um, the, the other thing is, if you get them in early, a player that, that's really hot on form, you do stand the potential to get a double price rise in the space of a game week. But if you do it early enough, is that is that worth the uh, the transfer where you might have to make another transfer costing you a minus four? Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is because let's say um, let's say you do ten early transfers over a season and one of them goes wrong, then that minus four cost over ten transfers is only really minus zero point four. Interesting. So you have thought about it long term, Paul? Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> that, that's that doesn't, of, doesn't surprise I, me at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't really do transfers for one game week unless there's a unless it's a rotation that I couldn't quite set up in advance. Yeah, um, so you know, I might drop a player in and drop them out. I think this um, this Middlesbrough Chelsea game is really really interesting, though, particularly because of the formation Chelsea play. You know, with the three at the back, which pushes Alonso slightly wide right, reasonably attacking, and puts um, I think it's Matic, is it, on the right, um, yeah. who effectively is doing the same role as Alonso, um, but he's classed as a midfielder. So it could be really really interesting if Matic gets classed as a defender next season. Interesting, yeah. We'll see how they they end up ranking him. So, I mean, yeah. what about what about Borough? Any any players there that you fancy? No. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I, even, Ramir, even Ramirez didn't get played in the last game against City. I think George Friend is probably the only one I would consider at four point five at the back. But yeah, they got uh, Chelsea and Leicester next, so not looking good for them. Going back to Chelsea though, I do think Arsenal have helped them out with their three nil thrashing. Yeah, I think the thing you'd say about that is actually that triggered Conte to start playing his formation. And actually, he's got the players to yeah. play that formation now. They look a lot more solid at the back going forward. It's getting the best out of those those front three. So, yeah, absolutely. It's all they needed was just to kick up the backside. And, and tactically, they've changed. And now they're just a better all-round side for it. So, Middlesbrough not with much hope this weekend. Mm-hmm. Paul, can I ask, what's the, what's the bot saying about the, the, the likely outcome of this one? I'm guessing Chelsea, but I'm interested on the on the percentage. It's not as variable as you think. I suspect this is because the Chelsea um, the Chelsea formation has been changing a lot recently, and therefore the bot doesn't like instability. Um, it's got Middlesbrough win thirty percent of the time, um, Chelsea win thirty four percent of the time. So reasonably even, I was quite surprised. Uh, clean sheet for Middlesbrough twenty eight percent of the time, whereas uh, clean sheet for Chelsea thirty one percent of the time. So I think what we're seeing there is we're seeing the unpredictability based on the formation changes. Probably also we're seeing the uh, Hazard yellow flag and the Costa um, injury flag reflecting in the simulations because it's probably thinking, well, where are the goals going to come from? Which does therefore make Pedro and uh, Batshui quite interesting as selections. Yeah. Yeah, to do, again, Bashui is a fantastic striker. Just with Costa in this kind of form, he's just not getting a look in. Well, yeah, he might be the one to go to if Costa's going to be out for very long. Let's see. I spent any final word on Chelsea? Uh, I was just looking at Moses, really. He's been excellent at the moment at the right wing. He's, a, he's only 5.6, and he did net twice for Nigeria against Algeria over the international break. So it still shows that he can produce the goods. So maybe still an option for them. I know he's a midfielder. It's not as good as Alonso on the other side, who's a, classed as a defender. But yeah, still, if, you, if you're looking for something different and haven't got a Chelsea if you haven't got Hazard, maybe put Moses in. But yeah, we, we called Alonso the last few weeks, and he is showing us why he is the player to have not only get, grabbing the only clean sheet of the week but he did notch his goal and he is right up there he is top amongst defenders of attempts on goal so yeah still a, a great option there so I would still bring him in so it will bring up my uh, my bank balance even further thank you yeah this is where I swim with embarrassment let's say uh, I meant Moses earlier when I said Matic on the right wing oh <laughs> Um, no, in, be... terms of, in terms of the points, though, the, the bot's simulating Matic on 8.4 and uh, Moses on 6.7. Do you um, think that's Matic's assist potential midfield within pushing forward ahead of Kante? 
It could be, yeah. I'd, I'd have to look into the numbers some more. I'd have to open up the box and have a look at some of the data to find out why it's so high, which is something that takes me hours to do, so I don't do it. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah I think... I'll uh, look, and if I can find, if I can find something tangible, um, I'll tweet it during the week. Sounds good, yeah, if you, if you um, tag us on that one. Um, yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I was thinking, I wonder whether Matic was going to right wing back, but no, you're absolutely right. I think Moses is absolute revelation this season. So that brings us, chaps, onto the final game of the game week, which is the 8 o'clock Monday night football. I have to say, I'm not going to be rushing home to watch this one, but it's West Bromwich <laughs> Albion versus Burnley. Paul, um, as we've been rotating, I'm going to come back to you to talk about this one first. Um, who do you fancy in this one? Uh, probably the referee. Um, <laughs> so let's start with clean sheets, because... That, that um, seems the obvious place to go. Yeah, West Brom clean sheets in 37% of simulations versus Burnley in 28, well, 28.8, so 29% of simulations. I would read from that. It probably thinks a goal is more likely than not. West Brom win in 38% of simulations and Burnley win in 29% of simulations. So it's kind of suggesting a draw to me. Let's see if I can dig out the actual score lines. West Brom nil Burnley nil seven point six. West Brom nil Burnley one in eleven, and West Brom nil Burnley two in eight point four. So it's favouring Burnley over West Brom there in uh, the results. Yeah, I'm quite surprised by that. Um, although Burnley have been nicking goals, haven't they? Um, is there, looking at, is, I was say, is there a standout player to to support that notion of a Burnley win? Not really, no, because if we look at, say, Vokes, he's only predicted eight points. Gray's only over three games. Gray's only predicted 7.5 over three games. Goodmundson, uh, Goodmundson is only predicted 7.5 points. Arfield, 7.6. Hendrick, 6.7. So, you know, nothing stand out. The only player that's really standing out is Lowton on 8.5 points, which still is not really that high, but it's not bad for a a 4.5 million midfielder in terms of value for money it's it's in the 90th percentile so you know value for money wise it's pretty good I have to say the Iceman's got a bit of a history of Lowton last season he called him for Villa and he uh, he didn't <laughs> live it down for the rest of the 30 Did games I? that remained God so. you've got a better memory than me Back back in our in our first pod, um, I, I should say as well. It's a year to the day, I think, since we uh, we published the first pod. Is that right, Ice Man? Yeah, it is. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yes. Okay, maybe we'll Happy do some, some kind of anniversary. Man. Happy anniversary. We'll, yeah. we'll celebrate that in a future pod. Congratulations, so, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. And, and it's good to have you as a, as a star guest for it as well. I really should have marked it at the start of the podcast, but <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. But uh, I think um, Paul's made a good point there around Burnley being the the, the favourites, although there isn't a standout player. Iceman, you, you mentioned Chris Brunt to me earlier in the week. I have to say about six years ago when I was playing FPL, Chris Brunt was a, a go-to for me. Where, where do you sit on this one? Yeah, Chris Brunt, he scored over the international break as well, and he assisted. He is playing further forward, so he's classed as a defender, but plays as a midfielder. He's on free kicks. I did pull up a stat from Twitter from the FPL General, uh, so shout out to him if you want to follow him. He was just saying, since 2008-09, he's scored 22 goals, assisted 46, and his next three games are Burnley, Hull and Watford. Kind of tells you a, a lot about that. 
he is a pretty good shout at 4.9. So as a defender, I do already have McCauley at 4.7, so I don't think I'm going to be doubling up. If I didn't have McCauley, I definitely would go Chris Brandt. But yeah, he would be a great option for West Brom. Um, looking at West Brom's other players, uh, McCauley and McLean also scored over the international break. And I hear that Chadley may be fit for game week 12 based on uh, Pulis's latest update. And uh, we spoke quite a lot about Chadley before. Yeah, four goals, two assists, uh, eight bonus points just between weeks uh, five and eight. So he could be back in contention again. Uh, Foster... I looked at the fact that everyone was bringing in Heaton and he was like a massive bandwagon. I stuck with Foster and I thought, well, if I hang on to him, he's going to hit the fixtures soon, you know, with Burnley Hull Watford next. He is going to be a great option here. They conceded the goal against Leicester with the first attempt on goal. So it just shows how tidy they, they actually keep it at the back. I, I do think Foster will be good for the next oncoming games and going forward. He's probably a season keeper for me. You think he's a long-term one potentially? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, any more to add, chaps, for this one? Oh, but, only that, only that I love the brunch shout. Say that again. Only, only that I love the brunch shout. I really like that. Um, we we mentioned him a, a few weeks ago on on the site that um, you know now's a good time to get him. He's at four point nine. If you can't afford uh, Rosa Walker, um, is an excellent plan B. Yeah, I like I like that certainly as an option. Elsewhere, I can't really add anything on West Brom if I'm being honest. I, I wouldn't really be going that direction myself personally now unless Chadley's back again. So, chaps, that brings us to the end of the uh, the fixtures for the coming week. Now, this is the point where I ask you to hang your hat on a captain's choice. So, over the course of the 10 games, Paul is the guest. I'll come to you first. Who would you suggest as captain material this week? Uh, I can't really see... Um... Pastor Guerra, really. I think he's in form. I think uh, Palace like to concede. City is set up for for him to score. So he he would be my um, my default choice for people looking for someone less obvious. I'd be picking Kane, Harry Kane. I think the uh, the Spurs versus West Ham fixture at home, you know, really stands out for me as a, as a game where Spurs can assert some dominance at the top of the table. I like that. I mean, um, I'm of the same thinking of you when it comes to the captain's choice there. It's very difficult to look past Aguero. We've said it many times on this podcast, but uh, avoid him at your peril. Uh, as an alternative as well, I think we wouldn't have suggested it last week, but with the earlier points made around Sanchez fitness and Man United's defensive problems, I actually really like the idea of Sanchez as a captain's choice against Manchester United away. Um, Iceman? Uh, my options are Hazard, Aguero and Lukaku. So I have been looking at the stats for them all. And Hazard playing against Middlesbrough, who have conceded 12 big chances this season. Been keeping it pretty tight against Arsenal and City. Aguero against Crystal Palace, who have conceded 20 big chances this season, which is an option. Uh, obviously he gets a hell of a amount of chances each game, but... Mine is definitely going to be settled on Lukaku. He's playing against uh, a terrible Swansea team who are top of the big chances conceded and I can see a lot of goals from him. He's he scored two in his last game internationally. He's only blanked three times this season. So playing the worst team in the league, he's going to score high in my opinion. Some great options there. So hopefully ones to get you thinking. We're thinking strongly can, but there's some good arguments elsewhere. 
Um, is there any love for Defoe? Defoe against Hull City at home. Hull quite weak at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I like. I, I wouldn't say I love. I like the idea. I think the problem is the the top performers in the Premier League. I think if this had been last season, absolutely. For me, though, the top performers in the Premier League are turning up this season. The other thing we mentioned earlier was the spread of, of points across the league. Actually, it's quite heavily weighted towards the top end of the table with just sort of a thin spread of points across the other sort of 14 teams in the league. I think with that kind of consistency, I'm really struggling to look past premium players at the moment. But again, as a differential punt, and if you've got him, I don't think it's a bad idea. Yeah, agreed. Cool. So, Iceman, um, can you take us through any Twitter questions we've had in the last week? Um, I would love to, mate, but I really need a piss, so I'm going to go. So, if you want, <laughs> well, with you, that, want, you want to take us out, mate. This seems like the perfect time for you all to make a special brew, uh, <laughs> or, or get a tin of special brew, and uh, enjoy the sounds of the Iceman's piss. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that brief interlude for the Iceman's piss. Back to the final order of business. Iceman, uh, thanks for returning. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, so, Twitter, and uh, we've done a few on Reddit. We've got some from last week as well. Uh, this week on Twitter, Alex Ball at Alex Waterbaby. He asks, uh, Hello, guys, which two defenders do you plan on getting in for the Christmas period? So, looking at uh, a lot of games all at once. Which two defenders do you think are going to play it all? Paul, do you, uh, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, no problem. Um, hello to Alex, thank you for the question. Alex lives in New Zealand. He's, uh, <laughs> dropping my Pokemon. Um, <laughs> Alex lives in New Zealand, he's an excellent FPL player, so anybody who doesn't follow him on Twitter is, is certainly worth a follow. And in fact, he's probably clever enough to do his own homework on this one. <laughs> um, so I would pick Arsenal as my first choice. It's the Christmas period covers... Game week 18, 19, 20 and 21. And over that period, Arsenal have got West Brom at home, Palace at home, Bournemouth away and Swansea away. And um, that's an excellent set of fixtures, really. Also, Arsenal tend to keep more clean sheets in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. So buying them for game week 18 and then having an Arsenal defender to the rest of the season should reap dividends. To give you an idea, it's around about 20% more points for Arsenal in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. Wow. Um, so there's certainly, Ooh. you know, worth keeping. Just, the, just before you move on on that, um, yeah. just looking at Bellerin, he is injured at the moment and he's looked looking to be out for about a month or so. So he might be available for that particular period. He is at 6.6 at the moment. So people are obviously going to get rid of him for this next month. So his price is probably going to reduce massively. So he might be a great option. Also looking at Monreal, he's gone down to 5.9 at the moment. So yeah, so they would be good shouts come that period. The, uh, the the only thing I caution with Arsenal over Christmas is the potential for rotation. So you can see Wenger just shuffling around Gabriel with uh, to to rest up kind of Koscielny and Mustafi potentially, um, and obviously you've got the likes of Gibbs and Jenkinson to rotate in. So that's the only word of caution I would say. I mean, Take having said points. that, is there any Arsenal defender that either of you chaps think is a nailed on for every game? It's got to be Koscielny, really, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, because he was in my FPL team at the start of the season, and I forgot Arsenal always start the season badly. <laughs> never to buy, uh, never buy an Arsenal defender until game week four. Yeah, um, sure should have sold him in game week three, and then wished I'd bought him by game week five. Um, so the only other one I'd add to that Ice Man would be um, probably a Chelsea defender, and I'm going to go with your punt on uh, Alonso. I think he's he's looking really good. He represents value going forward. Moving back, I think Chelsea look a defensive force. I fancy them against most teams at the moment, so he'd be, be my shout as a Christmas defender. Yeah, cool. I, I think he's a good shout for around about game week 15, because then you've got West Brom, Sunderland, Palace, Bournemouth, Stoke. But for the Christmas, uh, New Year's Day game, which I think is game week 20, you're looking at Spurs away followed by Leicester away. So a lot of people forget to do the transfers on the game before New Year's Day. And... I think there's an opportunity there to to switch him out to a team like trying to just glance at the fixtures now. There isn't really anyone who stands out to be honest, other than Watford. The, the, that game week twenty and game week twenty one is, is terrible. So is that a, a defensively terrible? You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is that is that the game week to play your all out attack card? Hmm, might be. Yeah, could be if you got injuries and you've got rotation risks. I mean, to give you an idea, you know, um, City have got Burnley at home, but that's followed by Everton away. Uh, United have got West Ham away, followed by Liverpool at home. Chelsea got Spurs away, followed by Leicester away. So we were saying earlier about how all the big teams are bringing in the points, yet in the game week 20 and game week 21, they've all got at least one difficult game. Liverpool, Sunderland away, United away. I think game week 2021, we might see... Um, a lot of wild cards played, you know, around about just after, between game week 20 and 21, just to uh, be able to shuffle defences around for for those fixture changes. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I think we're probably going to come to that more nearer the time. Uh, I think we're kind of answering, uh, we've got a question from Reddit there as well, from some guy called QWERTY ASDF, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he's asking, uh, which premium defenders would you be looking at bringing in? My premium defenders uh, at the moment is Alonso and Lovren. Uh, what are your, yours, your two? Is that for me? I've, yeah. I've got Go on, yeah. I've got um, a Chelsea defender, um, and I have uh, Lovren. Although I've been questioning my decision making on Lovren. Uh, Liverpool have got great fixtures, haven't they? Game week thirteen, Sunderland away, so Sunderland home, Bournemouth away, West Ham home, Middlesbrough away. Brilliant fixtures. They just can't keep a clean sheet for Toffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I think Arsenal, brilliant fixtures from game week 13. Bournemouth, West Ham, Stoke. I think Man United might be a good option now. We're having a load of injuries with Shaw, Smallin. You've got the likes of Jones, who's going to be available now. How much is he? I think he's 4.7. I'll tell you a story about Jones. He used to live three doors down from me when he was about 16. Remember the day he signed for Blackburn? Oh, right, right. he, you know, he's a really young lad, and his mum and dad were so proud. It was brilliant, and we're all chatting away, and uh, and I just said to one of the neighbours, "Yeah, I passed him the ball once. Taught him all he knows." It's <laughs> <Nice. laughs> obviously borne out by the quality he's defending at United now. United have got Arsenal at home, um, Everton away, Spurs at home in the next four. Sandwich in areas of West Ham game, so I'm not really sure about the United shouts, to be honest. Maybe one for game week 16. Mm. 
Yep. I'm, um, the, the only other pre well, it's not premium because my my defender at the moment, you'd say, is Koscielny. I've got the false economy that is John Stone, so I'm not going to shout him. But a player I think des- deserves to be labelled in the brackets of elite this season in terms of points, returns, threats going forward and at the back. Gareth McCauley, absolutely brilliant, 39 points this season in a West Ham side. He could potentially score and pop up with a header in any game against any team. He did it against West, Liverpool. West What's that? You said West Ham, so I was just correcting you saying West Brom. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, West <laughs> Brom. Um, I, I just think, in terms of his form and the way that he's playing, and internationally as well, he deserves to be spoken about in the bracket of a premium defender this season. Yeah, as mentioned before, 36. Um, moving on to the next question. Uh, Mo Hazari on Twitter, at RealMojo8901, Real if you want to follow him. Burnley, Hull, Watford and Swansea in his next five. Out of position, on dead balls. Is it Chris Brunt time? So I think Mo is agreeing with me there. Um, so thanks, Mo. Yeah, I like you. <laughs> that that that's exactly what he tweeted. Yeah, I agree with the Iceman. Yeah, more or less. And uh, I think you agree too, don't you, Paul? I do. Yeah, yeah. Buck up plants of rose if you can't afford it. Yeah. Uh, and then Freddie AFC Azu. I'm not really sure how to say that. At uh, Azu Freddie seventy seven. I hope probably not saying that right. Sorry. Uh, is it worth getting Sanchez now? Uh, he is asking. So, whilst Sanchez is potentially injured, although he's meant to be playing tonight, so actually the starting lineup should be coming up now. If you bear with me two secs, just going to have a look at that. Well, I'll answer it while you have a quick butchers. I think Man United away this weekend is a risk, particularly uh, Jose at Chelsea. You would have said he would try to draw this encounter. I think with United defensive worries, this could be the first time that Arsene Wenger is able to beat Jose in, I think it's 13 attempts. Um, yes. Or this is the 13th attempt. So he's got a reasonable chance, but I'd certainly think that, for me, if I'm doing a transfer, I want I want the transfer to have as little risk as possible. And it feels less risky to buy Sanchez next week when he's got Bournemouth at home than he does to buy him this week when he's got Man United away. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. Um, like you say, we're still not quite sure on the injury, so um, I just, think he's, he's just he's to confirm to that he is in the starting lineup. Excellent, brilliant. <laughs> well, they can burn him out completely, and then you can put the finishing touches yeah, on him this weekend. I'm but he cripples himself against United. I'm so annoyed I took him out. I just ah, uh, just... maybe he won't get flown home on a private jet like the Chelsea boys are being doing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> They are, they are well looked after, tactic. I will say that. Mm. And then, uh, sorry, moving on, Eddie Hughes uh, is asking how uh, F-word he uses here, so I'm going to change that and say how bad is Sanchez on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, well, if 10 is being in good condition, uh, Eddie, then he is 10, unfortunately, for me, because I've just taken him out. But for, as an Arsenal fan, I'm quite glad he's healthy. Okay, moving on, Stanley... I'm not even going to try and say that name. Sorry, Stanley. Uh, Quickfire, who do you choose? Snodgrass, Gundogan or Zaha? Paul, which one would you choose out of the three? Quick one. Snodgrass, Gundogan, Zaha. Well, I wouldn't buy Zaha. um, So that leaves Gundogan. I I think it depends on how long you're going to have them. If you're going to have them as a... If you're going to play, say it's your fourth midfielder, then I'd go Gun. If this is your fifth midfielder for the bench and someone that you're unlikely to change and therefore keep for a season, I'd go snod. 
Okay, nice quick one there. Uh, Bully, what do you reckon on that one? I, um, I'm going to say Snod, and I say that because that Sunderland versus Hull game has, has garbage written all over it, but again, if anyone's going to concede against Hull, it is going to be Sunderland, so I'd go Snoddy. Yeah, I think I agree with you, actually, Benny. He's also got good fixtures coming up, so out of those three, I would go that him as well. The Gun- Gundawan bandwagon seems to have died now. Uh, yeah, who knows? He might score next uh, this week uh, against Palace, but yeah, we get to find out. Uh, moving on to M. Veretti uh, from... Marco Veratti's posting a question. <laughs> M. Veretti. PSG central midfielder. Hello to Reddit. you, sir. Uh, he is saying best budget mids under six mil. Who would you choose in the under six mil bracket, guys? Yeah, it's pretty difficult because there's, there's not an awful lot of selection at six mil. Probably looking at uh, Goodmanson from Burnley, Snodgrass from Hull. <laughs> yeah, Joel is stretching it with Phillips and Morrison, maybe. I'll feel from Burnley. Uh, I, I think six million is a bit of a dead zone, to be honest, because um, the the value for money in midfielders occurs between the the seven and eight and a half million point. So, in terms of by value for money, I mean points per million pounds spent. So, it's better to have say two seven to eight million pound midfielders and a really cheap midfielder than it is to have a seven midfielder and two sixes. And it's just kind of how the the maths of FPL works. So under six million is a bit of a dead zone. And that's why, you know, we're all tipping players at the, the 5.1 level. You know, if you really wanted to go at six, 6.1, you got Townsend. But but that's about it, really. I'm just, I'm just going to chuck out a couple of names we've talked about in the pod already. So Moses is only 5.6, um, obviously listed as a midfielder, but playing more defensively. Yeah. Redmond's... Iceman, you've raved about a lot this season. He's still only six million. Obviously, Snodgrass we've talked a lot about today at only five point five. Um, I still think Matic is a snip at four point at five point one. Sorry, with the way that he's playing this season, and uh, yeah, Gundogan's still five point eight. So I I agree, Paul. Not particularly high scorers there. Although I think you've got a couple that that you know could every other week get you an assist or a goal here and there and. It all depends on the form of Saints, whether Redmond is the, the diamond in the rough of that lot, I think. Yeah, I think I agree. The um, I mean, the the two main scorers there I would look at would be Redmond and Balassi. Maybe Stanislas if he's got the fixtures, but at the moment Bournemouth don't have the fixtures. They've got Stoke, Arsenal and Liverpool coming up, so maybe after that. I would put some... Uh, I'm, I would think about putting Stanislas in if I could actually reach his price from Allen from 5.2 up to him. Uh, because Alan's fixtures eventually be- going to become difficult. So yeah, I uh, hope we answered that one, M. Verratti. Going to move on to the last question. Thoughts on mini wildcards from the Faz via Reddit. He is saying, aka taking a 12-point or 16-point hit after a string of bang average game weeks, or even if you are doing decent, but you think you can get some great returns after a few transfers and reshuffling. What are your thoughts on this, Paul? Um, A 16-point hit sounds rather drastic, and I wonder whether it could be achieved with to maybe eight pointers. I think sixteen point is is on the cusp of wild card, isn't it? I always sort of think that when you get to twenty points, then it's definitely a wild card moment. Uh, in terms of who would I pick go 
for him in wild card. Up until the injury, I would have said Costa and I would have said Aguero. And I probably would have gone Austin or Defoe. And then in midfield, I would have tried to get two Liverpool mids plus uh, Sanchez and Hazard, which would have compromised my budget and meant I've had to go cheap at the back. So therefore, I probably would have picked a Stoke defender like Peters, maybe cheap Southampton player. Yoshida played last week. Um, I don't know how long he'll be on, but he's dirt cheap at the moment. I'd probably try to shoehorn a rotating pair like Watford and West Brom as cheap defenders. And then in goal, then you've got Heaton and someone cheap like Pickford. And hopefully that that comes in under budget. Okay, Billy, you got any views on that, mate? Um, I would recommend against um, taking that big a hit in one game week. I'm kind of pro a, a minus eight if you're really struggling, but I think when you're pushing minus 12, minus 16, if it's just for that, that game week, you're going to have to do pretty decent and the player's going to have to score well for you even to, to kind of break even. And you think about for players, even if they don't perform, they're still going to get you two appearance points. So I think that that's a little bit too much in my view. Yeah, I think I agree with you as well, Billy. Do you, do you want players for a wild card team or? Oh well, I'm not going to list uh, my players for. No, that's we, right we don't okay. need to list wild, wild card okay. players. I think, I think uh, Paul's. Um, I think I'd echo Paul's sentiments there. Yeah. Okay, uh, that is it for uh, social media this week. We do have a few more, but um, uh, we kind of answered them in the other questions. Yep. So sorry if we missed your question. Well, thank you all once again for uh, for tweeting and posting your questions on Reddit. Um, really helpful for shaping our way of looking at things and also hopefully gives you some support as well. Uh, thank you to all, all the listeners. That brings us to the end of this two-part Fantasy Football Surgery podcast special. I want to thank Paul for, for his efforts coming along for the last pod. Paul, can I just um, hand over to you for a couple of minutes just to, to plug, I guess, what you're doing and also to... Uh, make the fans aware of a, of a big achievement you've just had yeah sure yeah yeah um the big achievement we just had is um we've just won fantasy mls blog of the year um, oh, well fantastic amazing yeah effort. yeah we're super pleased we just found out tonight over the summer a lot of the regulars play fantasy mls it's a great game there's in the uk there's only really uh fantasy football first.co.uk and fantasy football 247.co.uk that take it seriously but if you look at the regulars on those two sites, you'll see that probably the top 100 in the world of fantasy MLS are predominantly from one of those two sites. It's really quite amazing that two UK sites are, are yeah. leading the way in terms of uh, playing fantasy MLS. And, and it is a fun game over the summer. You know, it, it, it certainly uh, feeds the FPL addiction. In terms of uh, things on the site, I just want to encourage people just to have a look, really. Try out the Rate Maintain machine, have a look at the game difficulty checker, and uh, just have a chat, really, with the with the guys on the site. We've got a lot of people who are very, very experienced and have been playing FPL for a hell of a long, long time. So uh, they can help anybody with their team. And, you know, we're just by, by being collaborative, a bit like in this podcast, um, we all enjoy the game better and have better results, and in particular beat, our, beat people in our mini leagues that work. I was just going to say that is absolutely the most important reason why we play yeah definitely <laughs> yeah, beat people at work definitely <laughs> and, um, and and just finally to close and just say thank you to you guys for, for letting me on the blog and, oh no uh, thanks for coming on 
It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Uh, I think it certainly helped us to look at uh, FPL a little bit differently. I certainly, from now, will be thinking a bit more predictively and be using the the predictor on the website. That's for sure. Uh, Iceman, thank you once again. Yeah, want to say goodbye to the listeners. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Good luck in your game weeks, guys, and thanks, Paul, for coming on. Uh, And just one final, well, a couple of final plugs from us. Really, Uh, log on to our website www.fantasyfootballsurgery.com. Uh, dot com if you go on there there's plenty of articles on there again i will draw your attention to one written by regular listener padful um who's written a really decent blog on there this week so go and check that out you can listen to us on itunes and on soundcloud you'll be on one of those at the moment but please if you're on itunes give us a comment and a review let us know what you think rate us out of five as you would have seen last season, our very lucky mini-league winner, Mohamed Al-Kayassi, walked away from the Fancy Football Surgery Podcast mini-league with a customised T-shirt that is once Ooh. again up for grabs. So please join the mini-league. It's 17603-6718. Uh, thanks all for listening again. We're looking forward to getting out of this international break, getting back into FPL and talking to you again next week. Ooh, a Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs>